On today's Stuncast, we review Metamorphosis. As Kirk, McCoy, and Spock shuttle Federation Commissioner Nancy Hedford back to the Enterprise to treat a rare disease, the shuttlecraft Galileo is pulled down to a desolate planet. After crash landing, they meet a famous man from Federation history cared for by a mysteriously feminine force known as the Companion. Will Kirk and crew escape this planet? What secrets does the Companion hold? Will Commissioner Hedford escape with her agency intact? Find out on Set Podcast to Stun! Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Captain Corey. Hey, Corey, how's it going? Where it began, I can't begin to knowing, but then I know it's growing strong. Hands touching gas, reaching out, touching me. Touching you. Sing it with me, Clint. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Sweet, Sweet companion. <laughs> Stealing bodies never felt so good. Ba, ba, ba. This is, I assume this episode's going to come out in February, right around love season. Oh, and, uh, yeah. This is a perfect, perfect Valentine's Day episode. It is a perfect. Maybe we'll have to. Uh you know, mess with the schedule to, uh, to put this, this lovely episode out, out there. Um, welcome everyone. Um, Emily won't be joining this episode. I think she was taken over by, uh, an entity, a gas electrical entity. And uh, I think she's on a date right now. So I'm not sure what's going on with her. Sorry, James. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, um, Welcome to Set Podcast is Done. Today we are reviewing the episode uh, Metamorphosis. And uh, boy, whoa, what an episode. Let me tell you, Corey. Uh, this is a good time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it. So I don't know. I think we're all out of opening bits. So you want to just that's it, yeah. Yeah, warp right into um, our, okay. uh, yeah, our episode report? Okay. Wait, who directed and wrote this? Oh, yeah. I was waiting on that. Yes. I had so much fun doing karaoke that I just completely forgot about how I usually start these. Okay. So, yes. Metamorphosis. Um, This first aired November 10th, 1967. It was written by Gene L. Kuhn. And it was directed by Ralph uh, Seneski. I think Sinisky. <laughs> I've I've listened to a couple of past episodes, and I don't think you've ever once said either the director or the writer's name without just stumbling all over it. Yeah, that's why the can't fun. they just why can't they be good old American names? What about <laughs> Eric Brown, he never wrote an episode. Gene Kuhn, he has a nice. He's got a nice, easy to say name. I'm not. I'm not a good sight reader, and uh, I think it just adds that element of just like fun 
you know, improvisation, anything happened. Those well, names Clint, could be anything. You might not be a good sight reader, but are you a good love at first sight reader? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Every, every cloud of gas I see, I just fall instantly in love with them. All right. Well, let's get, uh, let's get to this, which is me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so the episode opens in the shuttle pod Galileo. I was excited back, to see baby. that again. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the font on the side of the ship. It's, it's it, it feels very like 70s or 80s. It's like a red cursive thing. I was thinking that like last time we saw the Galileo, the font, it's great branding. They did a great job. The The Starfleet uh, marketing department is really kicking butt. I'm not one for um, like action figures or toys, but I would love to have a model of the Starship Galileo uh, to just to commemorate my my time watching this show. Well, uh, during well, you, everyone gets a toy uh, during their their ten year anniversary on this show. So we only got nine more years. <laughs> okay, so we start on the shuttle. Sh- we start on the shuttle like JFK the <laughs> shuttle pod Galileo. Uh, we have Kirk, Bones, Spock, and another a new person, like a guest appearance this episode. Yeah. And for once, the guest appearance isn't like an evil person. Usually, if if you got one of those, uh, then they're going to be the antagonist. But not her in this case. She's still a bit of a pill. Well, yeah, let's talk about her. So her name is God. Okay, we've we've said before the service that we're using to watch uh, Star Trek does not have things like subtitles. And I could not catch her name. I had Keprin, Heffert, Hefburn. What was it? It was, let me look. It's like Hedford. Oh, God. I was uh, way off. Nancy Hedford. Hedford. H-E-D-F-O-R-D. All right, but I think the O is pronounced with an uh. Yeah. She's okay. a commissioner. Commissioner Hedford. A, a lady commissioner? You're crazy. Well, she's on. The reason that they're with her is they are taking her to quell a war that's about to break out somewhere. No, so she- they are. She was quelling a war, but then she got sick, which uh, with a disease she should have been immunized against. But okay, I didn't understand this. She got sick while she was like mediating that war. Yeah, she was like mediating a war. I mean, she was trying to stop a war or stop them from going to war. And then she got sick. And so they're like, oh, we need to take you back to the Enterprise oh, to cure okay. you. So and, that's... Then, and then take her back to finish her job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and she was upset that she wasn't inoculated. McCoy was making excuses, like technically, he got probably got drunk and forgot to inoculate her. But he was saying that um, it's one in a billion chance of her getting this disease. Well, she's also mad because it's like, why isn't it part of Starfleet's just basic regimen of of things that you take when you go off planet? Um, but she anyway, she was happy. Yeah. yeah, so she has a. I mean, she has a, I would call her regal, like the way she addresses people. She's like, she's not like mean or anything. She's just snappy. You know, she's very used to authority. She's, mm-hmm. she's an authority figure and she's used to having authority and having her way. It seems like. So while they're on the shuttlecraft, um, suddenly off the port bow starboard, they see a shimmering cloud that That's appears a- before the craft. Oh, no, it's a special effect. We're in trouble. Envelops the Galileo. It overloads it. There's like a disco party going on inside. There's lights flash. Very trippy. And then that's the first commercial break. 
we come back to the Galileo and its crew. Everyone's fine, but they're on a planet. And it was like a soft landing. It's not like they crashed. It's like it was it was a little jarring because like right before the break, they're like, whoa, they're getting like battered, battered in space. And then after they're just like sitting on a planet and they're like walking out of their spacecraft. So it was like it was a weird jump. I just want to say before they crash and they catch this thing on their sensors. They well, they don't crash. Like, they, they don't crash. Oh, they get set down or whatever. But anyway, they have these weird like iPod. Like they look like eyes, but they're little like viewer screens. And did you see? Oh, I thought you meant iPod like the device. Okay. No. <laughs> they're EYE dash pods. These like weird scanners. And like to put something into focus, like. He was he was taking his hands around like the iris or, or whatever around the whole thing and like spinning it and adjusting it. I thought that was interesting. I did not notice that at yeah. all. But did you notice how calm Kirk was throughout this entire episode? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was like a little tranquilized. He Like they crash and he's like, well, there's not much I can do about this. He was also burning holes in McCoy with his eyes when he was tending to the commissioner. Well, why do you think that was? I just think he had those bedroom eyes for for McCoy. I thought he was so. Oh no! I think I he thought, was just concerned. He was concerned for for the woman. It, it. I thought he was so calm because they weren't on the Enterprise. Like he's like, I don't give a shit about this. This is a Galileo. <laughs> this thing's this thing's haunted. It's cursed. Of course, we're gonna crash on it. I didn't want to come on this stupid mission. Why is a captain picking up a commissioner? Like I should have sent one of my goddamn ensigns to go pick her up. <laughs> He was pretty nonchalant this whole episode. Yeah. So the the planet, I didn't catch the name. Did you? It's Gamma Carnis N. Something like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gamma Canars N. N, yeah. Uh, so it has a gravity and an atmosphere that's like Earth. It's a little planetoid. It, we find, It's like in an asteroid belt. It's a tiny little dot, but it's it's habitable. Like they can walk around on it. It's the planet from Operation Annihilation or Operation Annihilate, but with like a purple filter. Yeah, everything's like it's like a rocky planet, too. It's everything's purple, like the sky is purple and red. And then there's like green neon lava pits. I mean, I thought it was cool. It was it was different. It was yeah, it was cool. It looked good. Unique. Yeah. So uh, it goes without saying that they can't reach the Enterprise and the craft don't work. So they're they're on their own not because of the craft they're because they said it nothing's broken but it's not working mm. i i think it has something to do with that entity that brought them here nah it's unrelated uh as they're like standing outside of the galileo just kind of deciding what to do they hear this hello hello and then there's this dude in a mustard yellow jumpsuit who's running at them from far away and he gets to them and who is it clint Zephyrin Cochran, our, our good old buddy. He is the person who invented um, warp drive for humans or discovered it for humans, I guess. I, I wonder when that came to be part of the lore. Because do they say that in this episode? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because in the episode, they were like, um, you look familiar. And I think it's funny, too, because his they say his name's Cochran. You think they would mention something like he's like, oh, I'm Cochrane. And you think someone would be like, oh, like the guy who discovered warp travel. It'd be like, yeah, that's me. 
but they don't they don't you know it's like if we got marooned on an island in like the caribbean and then some guy is like oh hi i'm columbus you know and we're just like okay great you know like they didn't say anything about i just thought it was weird yeah i i guess in an introduction it's best to do your first name and your surname he just identifies himself as zephyrin and he says, no, he says, I'm Cochran. And then later they asked, what's your first name? And they said, oh, oh, he said oh. Zephyrin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. OK, yeah. I mean, I guess he's been dead. Like, if we meet a guy who is Columbus, I mean, we'd assume he's dead. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I reversed it. Yeah. Um, He says Cochran. And I accidentally wrote Cockland in my <laughs> notes here. Maybe not accidentally. I didn't know who I heard Cochran. And when he revealed who he actually was, like I let out an audible gasp because Zephyrin Cochran is one of the main characters in um, Star Trek uh, uh, First Contact, which was like not only one of my favorite Star Trek movies when I was a kid, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I watched that movie so many times. Oh, really? I remember seeing it in theaters when I was young. It was such a it's such a great movie. It's I mean, probably the best Star Trek movie. So good. So good. It's really cool. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'd love to watch it again. Yeah. But also he looks great because one, not only does he look great for like a 180 year old or whatever he is, he's like over 200 years old, but he looks great for himself. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about what he looks like in the movie. Well, in the movie, he's played by uh, uh, Cromwell. James Cromwell, who does a great job. Sorry, I only know people by their last names. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In in this one, he's a, I'd call him, he's a fresh-faced young lad. He's handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Charming. Um, So, yeah, in, in First Contact, he's played by James uh cromwell who's 50 he's 56 when he plays that and he looks like he's 56 you know he's you know and uh but in first contact he's also supposed to be like in his early 30s just the way that this weird timeline works out and so the way they explain it was that the radiation is really like um accelerated his aging and he so he looks way older in the movie he's supposed to be 35 he's supposed to be way older i don't know why it didn't make him like in his it makes sense for like someone in their 50s to have this groundbreaking scientific discovery too Um, because and apologies because if you haven't seen um first contact the movie that came out in like 1996 with john luke picard and his friends if you haven't seen it then this isn't going to be very interesting but like lily doesn't look old in that movie she looks like she's young so yeah it didn't affect everybody equally anyway so i just want to say though so in in this episode they say he was 87 when he died or when he went out to space yeah so just think about from when what he looked like when he was 35 he looked 20 years older so think about how bad he looked at 87 i just want (laughs) to like so this this entity really did him a lot of favors not only does he not only does he look like a normal handsome 35 year old but he looks great compared to how he looks in other representations of him so yeah you know who also doesn't age well in the star trek universe is uh data's creator noonian mm-hmm. soon because he's they like just 150 put, or something yeah they both they put brent spiner in old man makeup and uh, <laughs> they just cake it on him that he was looks... funny though that was a great episode when we met him uh so let he was marooned here 
for like he was like 150 years ago. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't even like when Kirk says, yeah, we're from the Federation. Like he doesn't recognize what the Federation is because mm-hmm. he he left Earth or wherever he's from um, before the Federation was formed. But he knows Spock is a Vulcan. Yeah, he was because he met the first Vulcans. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bones verifies that he's human. Obviously, everybody's like very suspicious. Like, okay, hold on. We get sent down to this little planet. Our ship doesn't work. You are here and you are like, like happy and just like nonchalant about all this. So everyone's like, what the heck's going on? They suspect that Zephyrin has something to do with all of this. Well, when they go to his house, he has this house that he converted his you know spaceship from and there's these old instruments he's and kirk asks like where he got the antiques so things aren't adding up yeah yeah like he's he hasn't told them the whole story meanwhile um the commissioner lady uh hefburn is getting sicker and um she's like irritable and they they go and lay her down on a bed and she'll spend the rest of the episode just like progressively getting worse and worse on the bed yeah she doesn't she doesn't really do a lot this episode she doesn't really get to do too much she serves one purpose in this episode and it happens at the very 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 end (laughs) they see the entity in zephyr's backyard and and at this point kirk's like okay okay what's going on and uh cochran tells him everything he was sent here or his ship like he left why did he leave earth he was dying and he wanted to die in space oh okay my dad told me the same thing. I was like, I don't know if we can do that for you, my man. Die, oh, is that what go you're die dad? in space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of like tricking your dad into thinking he's in space, you know? <laughs> put him in a refrigerator box and then yeah. just put like a picture of stars. Feel like a hole I cut out. Uh, he was brought down here after his ship was disabled. He was an old dying man. Um, he he tells Kirk that he calls the entity the companion, which is what we will call for the rest of this episode. Yes. And the companion nursed him back to health. He made him young and immortal. And, th- and this is when he reveals that he is Zephyrin Cochran, the famous man from Kirk's past. <gasps> yeah. My God. They said that he like bones was like oh yeah they've named like cities and planets and universities after him well and and another of course there's going to be some uh continuity problems but they said zephyr cochran of uh, alpha century so like in this timeline i don't know how it works he's human i think he's human so i think what happened was he was yeah he is they had like a colony ship that went to alpha century and he was either part of that expedition or was born there and then he invented warp travel, and I think they sent the information back to Earth, um, and then warp travel was invented. I, so I would he, like to... So, okay, so there's this episode where 1960s people first met him. All you would know in the 1960s is this guy invented warp drive, and then he went into space to die. Yeah. And I don't know if he was mentioned ever again until First Contact. Like, they pulled him out of the Star Trek history files, and like they didn't address the alpha centauri thing then or i don't know maybe it's in a book someone wrote yeah he's only mentioned like a couple times in tng like just like one or two episodes so there's this episode metamorphosis where you first meet him and then he's mentioned like once or twice in tng and then first contact happens the movie first contact 
And then in Enterprise, he's mentioned more. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because he actually that's... he actually appears in Enterprise in the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. In the yeah. And and Archer talks a lot about him because Archer's father worked on the first warp projects. Um, and so he was friend with Cochrane and you hear some additional mm-hmm. details about him. Uh, so Kirk asks Zephyrin what they're doing here. And Zephyrin says, you've been brought here to keep me company, basically. Yeah, he was hoping that the companion would let him go when he says, I'm going to die if I don't have any friends. And then she was like, OK, I'll bring you some. Yeah, yeah. Backfired. So, yeah, the companion is not um, evil or anything. It it brought Zephyrin some, from space, nursed him back to health and is now just like like giving him every all of his needs that he has on this planet. But he has no friends. So. Kirk is there to be his playmate for the rest of his life is the, the tension here. Yeah. I also like too how um, maybe he's just been alone for so long, but Zephyrin Cochrane immediately starts creeping on the commissioner. Like before, it, you know, in the beginning of this episode, he's like a woman and a beautiful one at that. He also makes some other weird comments about her, but he's... Oh, he'll get his chance. Yeah. And actually, when the commissioner finds out that they're going to be stuck here for the rest of their lives, she like really freaks out. She starts screaming. She's like, and so like disgusting. Oh, like she I don't know what she's saying if she's like hysterical because of her fever or something. But yeah, she freaks out. I think it's because she doesn't want to die, maybe. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Because she I think she puts on a very good front. But also, I think they're trying to imply that she's not as happy or she's a little bit more scared than she's letting on Mm -hmm. well so their plan is that they 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 obviously don't want to stay here so they're going to build a weapon to take out the companion and just like we haven't really described what it looks like it do you want to do the honors like also it's dimensions like how big is it yeah i mean i think it's like like if you took two six foot i mean it's like six feet around it's very amorphous um, but it's this very like psychedelic pattern. It's like this sparkling, um, like amoeba with like different colors kind of going through it. I, yeah. I don't know if I did a good job. No, that's fine. It's it's yeah. like transparent. And it's sort of like sparkling psychedelic things on the inside. Uh, I think it won an award for effects. It did. It does look pretty good. Yeah, it, like not, it holds up. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, like Zephyrin doesn't hate the companion at all but he he does want to help them like take it out so he's gonna like help them like lure it but um, he's just di- uh disturbed by the idea of like killing the companion yeah he doesn't want to kill it he wants to get away but he's like you can't kill it he's but he wants to help because he like wants to get off the planet and he's bored with his immortality mm-hmm. um spock goes to try and fix the ship and the companion sneaks up on him and blows out like a whole side of the ship and then electrocutes him. And it was really loud. Holy moly. It scared the hell out of me. It was like a really quiet and then just like a huge loud crackle. Uh, The fall was hilarious where he kind of like just fell back on the ship a little bit and then they did a cut and then he like jumped into the ground. It was really. Yeah, he goes he goes down hard, but he loved it. He had a great time. He was mean. Very... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, he was very fascinated by this whole thing. And he was yeah. like, oh, my God, it's made out of electricity. How fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, it was a good discovery for him. 
because that's how they're going to build their weapon. Um, meanwhile, uh, Kirk asks Cochran to commune with the companion so that they can heal the commissioner. And so like the way he communes with the companion is he goes out into a field and closes his eyes and then it want it like appears mm-hmm. and then it envelops him. And then they like talk to each other while it's enveloping him. And it's at this point, Kirk theorizes that the companion gas cloud is in love with Cochran. Yeah. They were talking about like, Oh, it's like a, you know, owner talking to his dog. And then I think Spock was like, no, it's deeper than that. No, it's Kirk. Spock is currently not. Oh, okay. Uh, it, well, it, was, it was McCoy and and Kirk who were musing about it. And yeah. it was like, it looks like love. And But it doesn't, like, Zephyrin comes out of the commune and he's like, uh, sorry, the companion can't slash won't cure her. So, yeah. sorry. Which was like, like, I didn't understand if it can't or it won't. It didn't want to, because it brought people to be playmates for Zephyrin. And it also like brought Zephyrin back to life after he was dying as an old man. Yeah. So I think, I think what it is, is like, it knows it can't really leave the planet for that long. And it wants to keep Zephyrin close. So it's not, it doesn't like get that. Like Zephyrin can leave and it can stay there. It doesn't want to do that. So it's just like, nope, that's impossible. Yeah. Maybe it's jealous too. Yeah. So Bones goes and finds Spock, um, who's like just waking up from getting shocked. And yeah, like we said, he's like, wow, that was amazing. What a interesting experience. And then they theorize like, oh, hey, it must be made out of electricity. So we can anything that has electricity can be shorted out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell Cochran about their plan to, to shoot an electricity weapon at it i don't know they built no, a weapon like, in no time it was yeah it was like the next i actually really like that they did it so quickly because it's i don't know i think it's so it was nice to just like they didn't have to hem and haw about like oh will this work or we're trying to get this thing to work and then it at the end it works i like that how they're just completely like oh we know exactly how to deal now that we know about this we know exactly how to deal with this so we're gonna it, short it out and so Zephyrin goes out again to commune and like uh, bring the companion over so that they can use their weapon. And I like on the way out, he calls himself Judas. He's like this. I, I forgot exactly what he says. Like, like, this is the must be what Judas felt like. Yeah, no, he said is like, what do they call it? A Judas goat. So I think it's just a goat that's trained to hurt other goats. And since, oh. yeah. Um, and since those goats are going to be slaughtered, you're like a betrayer goat. Gotcha. Okay. So it enveloped Cochran again. Spock turns on his device that he made really quickly. And then there's like a loud crackling sound. The companion turns red. Cochran immediately, because he's being enveloped by it, he immediately just goes down. And then it moves over to envelop Kirk and Spock. And they go down and they start like choking to death. And then Bones is uselessly screaming at it to stop. Stop it. You're killing them. Oh my god. Bones is quickly becoming one of my least favorite characters in the show. Like he does nothing. Absolutely nothing. I like him as an idea. Maybe he gets better in season 3 or the movies. Like I like the idea of his character, but in practice he's always just like annoying and useless. I don't <laughs> I mean, I like DeForest Kelly and I think he does a great job playing the character, but the character is always just like so annoying. Uh yeah. It, it turns green again and it lets them go and it goes back to Cochran. There's like, well, Cochran music. like calls it off. He, cause, oh, okay. cause 
McCoy is yelling at it and that yelling attracts Cochran's attention. And then he comes in, he's like, no, stop it. Go away. He just, he just opens the window and it, and it goes out. Oh, okay. I'm joking about him opening the window. It's the fart joke. <laughs> so their first plan didn't work. Um, they make a new plan where they're going to recalibrate the universal translator so that they can talk to it. It's an unthinkable plan. This is just totally outside the box. Hey, how about we try communicating and talking with it? They're, they're, um, the order of their plans here is kind of crazy because first their first plan is we got to make a weapon. And then they're like, oh, and then can you ask it to uh, heal this lady real quick? Yeah. And then they're like, maybe we should try and talk to it. <laughs> well, McCoy has I would a reverse line. reverse that yeah. whole thing. McCoy has a good line where he says, Kirk, you're so busy trying to be a soldier that you forget that you're a diplomat also. Or sometimes you can be a diplomat. I, I forget. But it's like, yeah, you don't have to kill every problem that you come across. You know, I think I'm missing a lot, like, without having... Because I usually have subtitles on everything I watch. And mm-hmm. not having subtitles, I just... I feel like I'm, I'm missing some of the dialogue. It can re- Subtitles are, like, so helpful. I usually watch everything with subtitles. And you catch so much stuff. There's so many yeah. things that are just, like, inaudible. Like, unless you're listening to something on, like, 100%. You're going to totally miss it. Uh, star wipe to the stars. We have Captain Scotty in charge of the Enterprise. We got a, we got our first crisp Scotty log. And it's about like 30 minutes through the episode before we yeah. even hear. It was a long time to not hear from that. But I think it kind of built tension, too. So I think it was it was good. Now, he Scotty's saying, like, we're attempting to find Kirk. They were in the Galileo shuttle pod and they're not where they should be. And um, like Sulu and Ahura start like, and Scotty are just like planning how they're going to search for it. Like, we're just going to keep heading in the direction. Scotty, like Sherlock Holmes just deduces like, oh, well, there's no trace of it being exploded and there's no trace of it moving. So, or like using its, its power drive. So it must've been dragged away. So let's just continue on. So he like, he like figures out where it is. And this it's not a B plot. Like there's two, there's two cuts to the enterprise mm-hmm. and they didn't have to do this. Like they, th- this could have not happened at all. And at the end of the episode, Kirk could have just gotten his shuttle pod and like left and then called the enterprise later. Yeah. So I, maybe they used it to pad out time. Maybe they had people like contracts, like they had to appear in an episode, but it wasn't like important at all. I think but too, it, was, like, it was nice seeing everyone. Yeah. And I think too, like the audience just might be asking themselves, like, where's the Enterprise in all this? So I think they needed to at least show like what the Enterprise is doing or why they're not there or not finding them or something. True. Like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny too because like um Scotty was giving his captain's log, and then it just like showed Sulu, like with but him not really doing anything, and then it went back to to Scotty. And I just thought, like, I mean, I love seeing Sulu, but all the shots of him in this episode are like completely useless and then i think he goes on this is he goes on to uh do green berets for a while so you're not going to see him for the next like nine episodes or something oh that's a bummer yeah he had a we saw him a lot in season one like the first half of season one his screen time has definitely been cut a lot like you don't get to see a lot of him this season i think the most we saw of him was like when his evil self um in mirror mirror like that's the most screen time he's gotten for a while Anyway, back to our heroes. 
they now have the translator ready to go. So it's the like they get it's instantly ready to go. So the episode isn't about like them solving the problem. It's it's the relationship between Cochrane and the entity. And so the translator, did you notice what it looks like? What it looks like? I don't like it looks like a beard trimmer. It looks like a lightsaber. Oh, okay. it looks exactly like the hilt of a lightsaber. Yeah, I say that's pretty good. Yeah. When you asked that question, my mind went other places, but uh. <laughs> it looks like a ball trimmer. <laughs> okay, so they're going to try and talk to it. Cochran calls it yet again, and then Kirk starts talking to it with the translator, and it works. Um, the voice of the entity comes through, and oh, it's hello. a robot lady. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Oh, I can talk now. Oh, this is so interesting. My my voice is so breathy. It's a lady and she's very like polite. She's not sweet. She's it's a robot. You know like the yes, hello human. Like no uh no intonation or anything. I think that's um, because the the translator is a mechanical machine, so it needs like a mechanical voice. A mechanical translator. It's like it runs on gears and yeah. steam. Did you do you notice how did you catch the explanation of like how the universal translator works no so it scans your mind and they say there's certain universal concepts that every life form shares so it looks for those keystone subjects in your brain and then it fills everything else out like all the associations and then makes it english i guess so that's how they say it works this reminds me of the racial psychological theory of of bullshit from the spooky episode. Okay. So Kirk starts talking to it and he's like, Hey, it's wrong to keep us here. And it's wrong to keep Zephyrin here. It's human nature to want freedom. We don't want captivity. And then she's like, but he'll live here forever and it's going to be great. And it's necessary. And then Kirk's um, says that he'll cease to exist if left here. And then they just keep going in circles. They yeah, he must messing. continue. Well, he will cease to exist because he doesn't. Our spirit will die. There's like four minutes of episode dialogue dedicated to just different versions of this conversation because mm-hmm. they have it. They have it twice. Um, I, I, he 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 keeps telling her that he'll cease to exist, and I thought that that was like a weird way to start his argument. He should have just said like, "No, he like his his body, his spirit needs it, or he's gonna like go insane." Yeah. But like if he says cease to exist like that, what does that mean? He's not going to like disappear. So it was just a weird first tactic for him to take. It's such a weird, it's like this concept comes up a lot in TOS Star Trek two, where like humans will die in captivity. I think this came up in the cage too, that humans need freedom to live. If they're, there are certain species animals that won't breed or they'll just die if they're captive. So, which I don't buy as an argument for humans, but um, he he talks a lot about that. Yeah, Kirk later on talks about how humans need to struggle and they need to have obstacles. And I was like, I have heard this exact Kirk speech before, and I don't remember what episode it was, but he says the same exact thing. Like we we're nothing without difficulties in our lives. Maybe it was the plant just one. Uh, I think maybe to the Apollo one, he made the, a very similar argument to this too, because Apollo wanted to you know, have human pets and take care of them all day. Um, but Kirk said, no, we need to be free. We need to be challenged. We can't just be taken care of. 
the companion like pieces out because the conversation goes nowhere. And Cochran is like, Hey, why did you program the, the voice to be a female voice? And then they're like, we didn't. And then they reveal to Cochran, Hey, we think that gas cloud is in love with you. I want to, I want to wait a sec here though, because what Kirk says is the idea of male and female are universal concepts. Uh, No, I'm sorry. The idea of male and female are universal constants. So I guess every, (laughs) he's saying that every species has like a male and female. And it's, I just, I was laughing so hard. This is the most like 60s, like American notion. Oh yeah. Work hard, challenge yourself. Don't be comfortable all the time. And Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. (laughs) Women are women and men are men. That's just the way it is. Uh, Cochran gets like grossed out. He's, he's angry to discover that the, that the companion is, the companion is in love with him. Yeah. He wasn't really sure why, but I think he's, he just doesn't have an open mind. You know, like Kirk, he'll bang any, you know, woman entity that comes wrong. But this is a good old fashioned human. And he was calling everyone like degenerates, too. He's like, what? You can fall in love with the cloud? What? What America is this? Now, I want to push back on Kirk can bang anything, because as far as I've seen, he has not done that uh, once in the series and a half we've watched so i I don't know know where this reputation comes from i was i was thinking about this a while ago because we don't ever see like i think there's only one time where it's implied that he has sex with a woman and that's the episode with the planet with a gun where they go to the planet and it can make anything anything that they think of the planet makes for them and he thinks about an old girlfriend and she shows up at the end of the episode and then they're like, okay, we'll spend a weekend here, you know, playing in this paradise. And so I think it it implies that he goes and then he, you know, proceeds to, mm-hmm. you know, copulate yeah. with this person. So that's the only time I've ever seen it. He's done some creepy stuff, like hit on a 19-year-old to get to her father. And he's had <laughs> old girlfriends appear. Um, but I think you have to really read into the subtext to really, yeah, I don't know where this like Lothario kirk um idea came along but it's fun to think about we should say at this point um the the commissioner uh is almost dead she's like gasping between breaths and what does she say clint she's talking about how she doesn't want to die and she also um hears about love and that cochran like how you know how Cochrane is rejecting love. I want to be loved. I've never been loved. I've never been able to find love. So she's kind of, which is a mistake. She should not, she should not have done that. She would have survived if she didn't set herself up for an ironic twist or whatever. She, she was dying. She wouldn't have survived. Maybe. I'm just saying narratively, she's really setting herself up to, Oh yeah. For bad yeah. things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I though want to say that, um, she's a very attractive woman. Um, and I think this sure. really sheds light on the Mudd's women episode where Harvey Mudd was taking these women and they're just so desperate to find husbands. They'll take almost any husband, any man they come across. But we're talking about like, you know, 
how crazy it is that these women, these three women are so desperate for companionship that they'll basically marry any man. But if this lady who's very attractive and she's a great career and job, she seems very self-possessed. Like if she can't find a good man, like maybe that's why these other women are just so desperate to hook up with someone. See, I, I almost took it as like, see, this lady has her own career. She's like, has high standing, but she's nothing without, you know, coupling with somebody. So for mm. all of you young ladies who are thinking of going out and being engineers, just remember, you're going to miss the most important thing in life. Being a wife. <laughs> if you ever, yeah, this is a good, this is a good message, young ladies. If you ever want to be a commissioner when you grow up, maybe you think should should think twice. You're, you're never going to find love. Well, maybe if, if you have, you know, what happens, you know, coming up. Yeah. So let's get to that. So Kirk approaches the companion and he's like, okay, do you love him or what? And she doesn't really understand the question, but they go back and forth. They have the same conversation. He's like, Hey, listen, if he stays here, his spirit will die. And like, if you love him, basically he's saying, if you love him, you have to let him go because he's, he's not going to make it if he stays here for eternity. And you two can never have a fulfilling relationship with each other because you're, you're too alien from each other. So you guys, you can't love him the way that you want because you're not a human. If you're a human, you could provide the love he needs, but you're not, you're a gross cloud. So let us go. And she's like, if I was a human, there would be love. And Kirk's like, yeah, but you're not. So whatever. And so, but she disappears. Yeah. And suddenly out of the house walks the commissioner and she's totally fine. And she's what? in full health. Yep. Let me check but, my medical tricorder. Oh my God. She's in perfect health. Uh, she is referring to herself as we though. She didn't do that before. Red flag. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's the commissioner and the companion. Um, they have done a fusion ha dance and they are now in the same body. <laughs> and she's like, well, Heffert was going to Hefburn was going to die anyway. So now we both get we, what we both want. Uh, she gets to live and I get a body to be a human. in, And she gets to find love too. Mm-hmm. Like both the companion and this woman who is so pathetic because she doesn't have love in her life. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She now gets to have a boyfriend. All she had not, to do was, you know, rent out her body to to an alien entity. And it's not like the the companion has possessed her. It's like they're both living in there. Yeah. And I wrote Shay for she and they. Yeah. Shay says they are free to go. Like their ship works and everything. Yeah. Um, and the like there's there's like a lot of speeches in this episode it's a very mm. poetic philosophical episode i just imagine like the writer sitting in his typewriter just like tearing up while he's <laughs> i'm not i'm not putting in any of the flowery speech but there's a you'll notice there's not really any action in this episode except for when when um spock gets electrocuted and and spock and kurt are getting electrocuted in the house they're basically like tipping over furniture <laughs> Um, love is said a lot in this episode and th- she, she sees Cochran, but she's like, let me love you. Let me feel the earth beneath my feet. Lots, lots of stuff like that. They walk away from the group. They kiss. She tells Cochran that she can't leave the planet. And then Cochran decides he's going to stay. And so she now- was, she was ready to let him go. 
Like yeah. she was, she was ready to just spend a couple hours with him and then let him get on the ship and leave. And then eventually grow old and die. And then she would also grow old and die as well. But now he's like, well, I can't leave and go on space adventures as a young man again, because I can't leave her alone on this planet. Um, and I and I do love her, so they are going to stay here, grow old, and die. And he's I did like, think, I did think you were gross and kind of rapey when you were a cloud, but now that you're a young, beautiful woman, yeah, my mind has changed. Yeah, exactly. And then um, that's it. They're like, we'll find another woman to fix the war. They literally <laughs> say that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> No one questions this either. It's just crazy that like this alien took over this woman and they're like, oh, well, it means she's going to have a husband. Then hope she didn't have a family back on Earth. It's like, hey, where did my daughter go? Don't worry. She's replaceable. She's a woman. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Do we want to do a quick review of this? Because I'm curious to think to, to hear what you thought of this episode yeah let's let's do our review so um man i'm gonna give it like a a, like a semi thumbs up i mean i feel like this is what we kind of always do where we do like the episodes but they have problems um and i liked the i liked the premise i liked that different cochran was in it i liked everything except that like the commissioner lady had like no agency and it just like in the sixties, I guess it was fine, but it was just so weird that she basically like gets taken over. I don't know if she consent. They just don't do a really good job of showing like that. She's consenting to being an alien host. And also I, I don't like that. The like alien kind of like kills her kind of where she's about to, you know, be treated. I think they, if they, it would have been better if they were like, man, if we like, we wouldn't have been able to save this woman either way. So this is kind of like the only way that she could continue to live. Yeah. I know you're going to do a little rewrite here, but I, I think the only thing I would have changed is that she's like, yeah, let's, let's combine bodies and do this. Cause she doesn't really get a say in it. And that was kind of effed. Yeah. Or is she like at the beginning of the episode, she's like, you know what my kink is, is I've always wanted to be like taken over by an <laughs> alien and then forced into a marriage with a 150 year old, you know, pilot like that's that really gets my motor going. And everyone on the shuttle just like suddenly has something they need to do. They're like, uh, okay, yeah. So I'd like the uh, the commissioner to have a little bit more like agency and maybe like she was just such a black background character and like didn't really do anything. Just an object, you know. Okay, what um, do you think of it? I I think it was a well written episode. Yeah. I don't think the plot was very, it was a really, really two-dimensional plot. It was just like they land on a planet. A guy doesn't know if a gas is in love with him. They do a couple things to communicate with it. And then the they fall in love at the end. So like it was probably the most boring episode mm-hmm. we've seen. And it's like, like, like Lazarus, like bad episodes where you're just grinding your teeth the whole time. Like mm-hmm. I write way more notes on that one. Cause it's like, you know, I think it's just more inspiring when you see something you don't like. It's just, I would never recommend this episode. Like I, I give it a thumbs up for like quality. Um, but I imagine this is all I'm going to say. If I bet this episode is, let's say it's 1972. You're watching the star Trek reruns. You sneak downstairs. So your parents don't know. 
and this episode comes on, you're going to be disappointed because you're like, <laughs> oh, it's the love episode. God, gosh, golly, dang it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, the plot, I mean, it didn't have a lot of plot, which is fine. Um, and it like, I like the premise and it was, you know, I like the guest actor of Zephyrin Cochran. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's just some icky parts about it. So, um, but I still liked it. I'm just, I don't know. Would you, would you give it like a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but I give it a thumbs up based on the quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this was the director's favorite episode that he's mm-hmm. done for, for this show. Um, he said he really liked the script in it. There was some really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure it's for a lot of people. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, not a funny episode. Not one joke in this episode, as far as I could tell. Um, I like I like jokes and humor. And <laughs> yeah. Some slapstick. Ralph said, um, I just thought the script. Wait, who's was... Ralph? I don't know Ralph. Ralph uh, Stensensky, the director. Are you just that. buds with him? Yeah, just friends you just with call him. him by his no, first name. I was just name. trying to slink away without having to say his last name and embarrass myself. <laughs> again. Okay, I'm always that's I can always count on you, Corey, to not let me get away with that stuff. Um, okay, what's Ralph saying? He just said, uh, "I thought I just thought the script was absolutely wonderful." As I remember, Gene Kuhn, uh, he was the least authory type of person. He just didn't seem like an author. He didn't present that kind of sensitivity uh, that his writing had expressed. Uh, I always just... thought Gene was uh, rough around the edges and a poor writer, but look it's, at this. This is a great, uh, I just, it was just a deep, deep script and scene after scene had so many angles to come at it from. Uh, it was a complex script. So anyway, he really liked it. He really enjoyed it. So yeah, yeah. I felt like this belonged more in like a period drama, like a Victorian or a Western, where instead of a gas cloud, it's like a, I don't know, a lower class person and an upper class person. I, I mean, there's a sci-fi mask with the entity taking over somebody, but it's like I a, mean, a star-crossed lovers type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change a couple things, and I think this could have been in any BBC production or masterpiece theater. Okay, what's your what's your rewrite, bud? All right, let's head into the writer's room. Uh, this is where, in our infinite wisdom and modern writing techniques, we know how to you know make the show better than the people in the 60s, uh, and we're not afraid to say it. Um, so I don't have any rewrites for this episode, but I want to... There's something that hit me in this episode that I wanted to put forward, and I think we need some sort of like traumatic, tragic backstory for Kirk. Okay. We need some sort I I feel like Kirk needs some sort of like trauma in his past or some sort of like decision where he was a little bit less militant or was a little bit more fl- friendly to like an alien force or like maybe he like his some of his people were captured by an alien sometime and he tried to be more diplomatic about it and they all died. So I think that would give a lot of color to when Kirk is like such a kind of like militant about like, we need to kill this glass, this gas cloud or, oh, we need to fight this God. There's some reason for him to be so kind of touchy or be like, oh, I got to save my crew. You know, my crew is the most important thing. I think in the 60s, it was a little bit, it didn't seem as weird for him to be this militant or like less diplomatic about everything 
So I just feel like we need a little bit more like a, like explanation of like kind of his past and oh you know, I have a good one yeah how about a fucking slug monster killed his nephew and his his brother and his sister in law yeah exactly that would have been perfect so anyway I just feel like he needs some sort of explanation of like to give him a little bit more color of of why he kind of is just like immediately jumps like we need to fight our way out of this situation like McCoy said you are so busy being a soldier you don't realize that you can be a diplomat. So I don't know what it would be, but I just feel like if there was a modern TV show, I think that would be a part of, of his character. Mm. And then you can have a really nice tension and growth of, of him being like, we need to destroy this alien. And then he could kind of grow to, Oh, maybe I don't need to murder everything to get out of these situations. If I was writing this new Kirk, the, the young boy chronicles. Yeah. uh, For showtime. That would I don't know what series to pick it up. UPN. The second he decides to do a diplomatic thing in one episode, like it goes horribly wrong. And yeah. like nine people die. And then he's just like sitting in his bedroom, just like his hands, just like in his arms, in his head. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. And then he just starts flipping a coin like Anton Sugar in uh, No Country for Old Men. Or Two-Face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. They both do that. Yeah. <laughs> I should have been more assertive. So yeah, that's a that's a good rewrite. I yeah. don't think that they're going to give him an arc in this show, but no, I hear you, man. I should have been more of a a swashbuckler. I wish I was in the old west. That's where my archetype comes from. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, anything else you got, Corey? No, that's it. Man, I can't put my finger on it, but I just this was such a nice, pleasant episode. Uh, okay. <laughs> just feel like i could really like finish my thoughts you know are you setting something up right now no well i just oh i can't put my i don't know what it is i can't put my finger on it this episode it's just nice piece Every, everything went so smooth are you in love with me <laughs> i uh, i don't know what you're talking about i think it's time to end this episode all right let's thanks cory uh thank you and we love you yeah we love but you not each other and not each other <laughs> and until we see you again Keep on trekking.